It's March. It's weird. It's weird. February is like the worst month, but it's so short. Short and cold. (laughs) I went to Disney World last week. Yeah, well, which is a whole ride. And I posted a couple times on on Instagram. And because it was funny, because at one point, V said to me, do you think, how many people do you think are here? And I was like, oh, like, sure, tens of thousands of people. And and I said, and you know what? I bet, because she goes to public school in New York City. And I said, I bet we know someone here. I bet there's somebody who goes to your school or, like, somebody I know. In your neighborhood, yeah. Who's here? Because it. Um, for those of you who live outside of New England and uh, New York and New Jersey, there is something that we have here called February Vacation. Well, on the West Coast, they used to call it Ski Week, Sarah, so fine. Oh, really? Because Eric's from California, and she he did not ever... Yeah. It's not when, a thing he knew. When I was in Northern California, closer to Tahoe, maybe. Ski week. Ski week. I was like, what? But okay. That sure, sounds for, nice. For some of us, I guess. <laughs> Break your legs week. <laughs> um, yeah. So February vacation. So, uh, you know, New, New Englanders decamp to Disney World. <laughs> At least they did when I was little. Although this was my first time in Disney World. I've never been. And it was really kind of a delight. But we came, but I was posting to Instagram, and sure enough, several people who we're, like, we're here too, yeah. Our readers, yeah, had been there also. So if you were in Disney World last week, why didn't you come say hi? <laughs> they were in their own special hell, Sarah. They didn't have time to join yours. <laughs> I actually love amusement parks. I'm not a Disney fan. I'm not a Disney person. We went once and Little Romance was probably about that age. And he, like, came off of a ride and was like, why do all the rides end in gift shops? And I was like, because Disney is about shopping. Oh, I will tell you that on the first night, I was, the first day, I was like, eh, whatever. And then it got to be nighttime, and the whole place, like, is perfectly lit in theatrical lighting. I mean, it's pretty (laughs) perfect. And I went into a store, and I, I got the, I was like, oh. Oh, I get it now. Like, <laughs> it's like Victorian St. Louis. <laughs> and yeah. the goal is to just buy, buy as much buy. Mickey-themed stuff. Nonsense yeah. as yeah. possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I saw, we saw the Millennium Falcon. A nice. thing I thought I would care nothing about. And then I was like, okay, the Millennium Falcon. And Eric was like, yeah, the Han Solo lover in you. See, there's something for everyone, I'm sure. Yeah. Love, sis. And it, he was not wrong. No, I don't know. It's like I said this a long time ago. I was really outraged by the whole thing where they were like, you know, put your fingerprint there, and I wouldn't let him do it. Yeah, this is a thing. You, By the way, if you've never been to Disney World, they take your fingerprint yeah, I when refused. you go through. You can refuse. I was like, no, he's not doing that. And they were like, okay. I was just like, I'm oh, not— That's really interesting— I was really shocked and, like, I kind of weirded out by it, but I did let her do it. So now, look, Disney owns her. They are overlords. Here's what I will say. I'm a big dork, and my favorite part of all of Disney was the ride that is inside the Epcot sphere. Did you take that ride ever? No. Get in a little cart. It takes you through all the technology and communication of the world. And you go, you ride up the whole big sphere, which has to be like 100 feet tall. It's very big. And through, you know, animatronic dioramas 
on a like slow cart. And I was like, this is terrific. <laughs> a nice segue to our topic today, Sarah. Yes, welcome everyone to Faded Maze. This is not a Disney podcast. This is a romance novel podcast. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and critic or editor. I don't know. Yeah, you know how this isn't a Disney podcast because we actually talk about sex. <laughs> I mean, there's no sex in the Disneyverse, everybody. Well, no, not at all. Babies and kissing, but nothing in between. Is there even kissing? Sure, all those princesses get kissed. The cartoons. Yes, the cartoons. I mean, in like Disney movies. Also that like, like with real people. Oh, yeah. Well, in Marvel, don't people kiss and then... No, not anymore. Never. No? Not in that Love and Thunder movie that I didn't see because I heard the end was not what I wanted it to be? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, it's all... Out of my brain. Anyway, this is a romance novel podcast. It is. And today, we are going to be talking about technology and romance. But first... Okay, Faded Makes Live is coming, and we are getting really excited. I know. And it is... I'm, like, so excited. It's March 24th. Yes. In New York City. This month. We can now say it's this month. New York, New York. Yes. So it's going to be at the William Vale Hotel in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and... So Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. New York, New York. It's fine. To everybody else, that's all New York. I don't understand. Um, and we are going to be having a... Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Our special guests are Adriana Herrera, Andy J. Christopher, Mila Finelli, Joanna Shoup, and Tessa Bailey. <gasps> so exciting. I know. So exciting. Some of my very favorite people, some of my very favorite authors, all together at last. So you can buy tickets if you haven't bought them yet. You can look for the link in show notes. And if you are interested in coming, but maybe think, I'm not sure. First of all, you should be sure because yes. we're amazing. Sure. Dan and I have already, we just discussed what book we're going to book talk. <laughs> and if you were at the Faded Maze Live in Alexandria, you yeah. know that I impromptu book talked a book about a mothman with a long tongue. Yes. And so it's going to be an equal level of bananas. But our listener, Gwen, who has been listening to us since, I think, the very beginning. Hi, Gwen. Has, has two tickets that she cannot use, and she would like to do a giveaway. So that oh, is super exciting. So she is looking so to give away her tickets. And what we will probably do is we're going to host that giveaway on Instagram. So after you listen to the podcast this week, um, go to Instagram, and we will have directions for how you can win those two free tickets to Faded Mates Live in Brooklyn. So thanks to Gwen, and I hope that you are all really excited about this possibility. I think it's going to be great. FadedMates.net slash live to get your own tickets to Faded Mates. Yes. And um, also on our Instagram feed, everyone, there is a post right now on the regular Instagram page of Faded Mates, so at Instagram.com slash Faded Mates Pod, where it says Faded Mates Live Meetup. And if you are coming to Faded Mates Live solo and you want to make friends for the night or the weekend, you can post your information there as a comment, leave your messages open, change your settings so that people can message you, and uh, meet new friends. Yay! And because it's at a hotel, I feel like it's going to be like, you know, like there'll be a bar you can meet up in. And you know what I mean? I feel like there's going to be a lot of right. options for. And it's New York City. So there's yes. pizza and other things to do around. Make a friend. 
exactly. see a place. Also, Jen and I just were talking about one other thing that we're thinking about maybe doing on Saturday. Yes. So, um, you know, check just back here for same, more information. Same bat time, same bat station. You'll get more details as we figure out our details. Next yes. Wednesday, we'll try. We'll we'll see if we can make another announcement at the beginning. Anyway, that is the banter portion of the show. Oh yes. wait. Did you see the Ted Lasso <laughs> trailer? Yes. So Wait, cute. I'm not sure if I saw the right one. Is this the one where they are all holding up the believe signs? No, there's oh, a no. new one that was, in, that was launched today. You sent it to me today, but I was in a meeting all day and I couldn't watch it. Oh my God, it's so cute. It made me so happy. Anyway, March 15th, Ted Lasso is back. Yeah. But I don't think they're dumping all the episodes. I think it's going to be week no. to week, which... We're going to have to really suffer through it. But you know what that means? The Night of Fate and Maids Live, it'll come out, and you and I and Eric can watch it together that weekend sometime. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, let's I know. do it. Um, also, I thought you meant uh, Roy Kent Redux 2. Well, obviously. Roy, De- Roy Kent, The Return. Roy, Roy Kent, Tertiary. <laughs> we have to think of some kind of... Roy Kent, threesome. <laughs> Roy Kent, menage a trois. There you go. We'll figure it out. Uh, so stay tuned for that also. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Technology. Yes. Okay. In so romance novels. A couple weeks ago, and I don't know, maybe I had been a smart aleck about this before. <clears throat> this was February 10th. The New York Times published an essay, When the Novel Swiped Right. Contemporary fiction writers have only just begun to address the new dating app revolution, but when they do, the results are often new, bold stories about human connection and desire. And I... Jennifer Prokop was like, what do you want to fucking bet that there is not a single romance novel in here? And were you right, Jennifer Prokop? I was right. Of course I was right. I was also like the new dating app revolution. Dating apps have been, what, two decades old? Yeah, right? (laughs) At least. I mean, I was like, okay, well, the New York Times is, in fact, I don't know, really up its own ass a lot of the time. So, and not in a sexy way. So anyway, Uh I was... And it's funny, I've joked about this a lot. I've said every time I see an article that's like, you know, these great novels about sports or these great novels about tech, I was like, I should like write one that's like, and here they are in romance. So in this particular case, especially, I actually went back. You wrote about technology and romance five years ago in the Washington Post. I did do that. You're right. (laughs) I bet at least one. Oh, one of these for sure I wrote about in that, yeah. in that column. I saw Alicia Rye talking about, like, at an RWA, I think probably in Houston, which was probably about, no, not Houston, Denver, which was probably like five years ago or more, pre-pandemic, a couple years before the pandemic, it was probably 2018, basically being like, listen, authors, dating apps have been around for a long time and you can no longer pretend that they don't exist. I mean, this was uh-huh. like, I mean, she was basically like, you're behind... Right, if you're not putting Tinder on your in your right, like what are at you at least doing? referencing Bumble, Tim, Tinder, yes. you know, yes, Raya. I think that's the one that the fancy people are on. I don't even know. If you're a celebrity, you can join Raya. Yeah. So I was sort of like, you know, a little outraged to be honest at this article, but also like, fine, we'll just do it. We'll do it. We will talk about technology and romance, and it's a fun topic, right? Because. One of the, I'm sorry, I'm like doing all the talking on the top. One of the things I was thinking about a lot is this is a ongoing discussion between, I think, readers and definitely among authors about how much technology you should include 
for the fear of dating your product. Listen, I get that. I get that. I mean, so here's the thing. I think, I think there are a few things at play here. I think things like, I think part of the joy of writing historicals is that I don't have to worry about this, right? Yeah, of course. The corn laws is the technology at, at play. Exactly, right? Like, we don't even have trains yet. So cell phones are not a problem, right? So, um, but what's fascinating is once you put cell phones, and I'm I'm on the record for saying this many times, once you put cell phones on the page or even telephones on the page, answering machines on the page, then suddenly like missed communications, yeah. missed connections become much more difficult. Right? Right. And so I think there's something really difficult fundamentally about writing a romance novel in the age of technology because a lot of doors that are still open for me as a historical writer are closed for. Yes. Um, you know, if I meet somebody on, if, you know, if this is, if, if you're talking to somebody on Tinder, and they're terrible to you, you don't have to meet them. You right. can just, or, you know, you can just, like, swipe left <laughs> and be done with them. And I think what's fascinating about it is um, is that the it forces writers to have to be more thoughtful about the conflict that they're writing, Right. Because yes. it's so easy. I mean, we know this, right? By virtue of having people in the world and being people in the world who are dating, who are in the dating world, it is so easy to ghost someone. Yes. One day they're there, the next day they're gone, and you never hear from them again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so writers have to be really thoughtful about like how they make sure the characters stay on the page together. Because and I, it's not enough for like there to be a snarky back and forth on Tinder and then right then to the next day there to be more of that. There just there are so many more fish in the proverbial sea. Right. Well, and I think the other thing that's like really interesting then is how authors decide to leverage technology. So, you know, it's like am I going to include it? Uh am I going to call it by its real name? <laughs> right? Like am I going to just pretend it doesn't exist. And I think one of the things that's really tricky is I think people feel that if I if I include modern technology, I'm going to date it, right? I'm going to date these books. But romance is so of, like, the now that part of me feels like if you don't include it, then it feels like you've got a bunch of, like, you, you're telling me they're 25, but they're reading like they're 80, <laughs> right? It's so funny because it's almost the reverse, Jen, of what really bothers you, which is dated pop, dated yes. references, right. right, to pop culture. But also, you know, one of the challenges that I have with books from the 80s, contemporary romances from the 80s and 90s, is references to celebrities. Yes. Right. So there is, yes. I think I've probably talked about Judith McNaught's Perfect, which is one of my very favorite contemporaries um, and is very, very dated. 
because the hero is a movie star right who is friends with Kevin Costner uh-huh. who the heroine has a huge crush on I know and it's Kevin like, Costner is back though now so it's fine you could probably read it again and not and not have it be <laughs> he's in that weird Yellowstone show or whatever sure Meryl Streep goes to their wedding like they're yes. and so it's like but the reality is is that when you when you read a, a a contemporary and the celebrity du jour is Kevin Costner. You're like, right. <laughs> yeah. Something's wrong about this. Right. But if they're using a wall phone, a rotary dial phone, or checking their voicemail, they're sure. checking their answer machine messages. I don't have a problem with that. Their pager. Right. Their pager. Sure. Listen, I can't even explain it to everybody. If you don't know what that is. I will put in a great song by A Tribe Called Quest, and also, <laughs> and also, I'll try and find, like, a video. You literally won't believe this shit. It's bonkers. Pagers are wild. This week's episode of Fade and Mates is sponsored by Joe Brenner, author of You Can Follow Me. Sarah, <laughs> listen, this book is amazing. So, Kara has her life blow up in New York, and as one does... You just need to get yourself on a road trip and maybe end up in a bar with a hot Navy SEAL. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. There, the plan, if you're Kara, is to have the best sex of your life. And, in fact, so good it freaks you out a little bit and you go running. But, <gasps> oh, but I bet he had the best sex of his life, too. He did, too. He's a little obsessed with her. And so he has to, you know, go overseas as Navy SEALs do. So he sets up his two friends, Micah and Luke, and he's like, keep an eye out for her so I can... Figure out where she is when I come back. But they become obsessed with her, too. Oh, Oh my God. Three. Three for the price of one. In classic dark romance fashion, what are they going to do to get Kara back? Probably they have to kidnap her. There's really no other choice. There's no other choice. (laughs) So they kidnap her. They want to force her to confront her feelings. And Kara's like, you may dominate my body, but you will never have my heart there is all sorts of sexy shenanigans, and I will warn everybody, it ends in a cliffhanger, but it's really good, and you're definitely going to want to find out what happens next. This one is perfect for people who like kidnapping as a love language. Second chance romance, military heroes, swords that cross, and anything that is related to it was only supposed to be one night. You can read, you can follow me in print, an ebook, and in Kindle Unlimited with a monthly subscription. Thanks so much to Joe Brenner for sponsoring the episode. Uh, so again, I want to I want to say this like I understand completely like the the like decision making. So I think one of the things that's interesting, and I'm interested here about your books is. I was trying to think about books where I'm like, this book really captures, like, what it is like to communicate now. Uh-huh. This book is really capturing something that's, like, kind of popular now that I think probably won't be at some point. Right. Right? Like, so it's like there's this, like, interesting the way people, like, lean into it because it's, like, really different the way, like, technology is so pervasive in our lives. Yeah. How can you not have people with the smartphone? Right? Exactly. And I think, so I want to start, I think what. Can I propose a, yes, a system do. for us? A technological system for this episode? I like it. I think we should start with the most commonplace Ooh. and move toward the, like, wackiest. Okay. I like it. Okay. Uses of technology in the in the books. Okay. Okay. 
So I'm going to start with what I think is the most obvious kind of read-alike for a classic romance that you have found in romance novels and in the world for hundreds of years. And that is the epistolary romance. Perfect. Right? It just makes good sense to write text messages into romance novels and have them be epistolary. Yes. Now, wait, before I even begin, I want to say, and I think we said this in our Fifty Shades episode, I think I probably said this in our Fifty Shades episode, the emails back and forth yep. from Anna and Christian in Fifty Shades are hands down the best part of that book. Yes. They are hilariously funny. The subject lines shift, like, every email. They are clever and sexy, and, like, they are great. And yes. if I, you know, I would go back and reread those Just emails the anytime. Emails, right. Text messages are similar. I don't have an email book. Do you have an email book? No, because it's over now. Because email, because who uses email? Right. Not I that do have way. a text message book, though. Me too. Um, you so I want to talk about Vi Keelan and Penelope Ward's Stuck Up Suit, which I think I've probably talked about on uh, the on the the show before, um, because this is probably my favorite. First of all, I love Vi Keelan and Penelope Ward. They co-write very, very delicious contemporaries. Stuck Up Suit is about, um, it is set in New York City on the subway. And Soraya, the heroine of this book, witnesses the hero, um, Graham, on the subway having kind of a terror, like being a terrible dude. His, <laughs> like it turns out, like his driver has called in sick and he ends up like on the subway in the morning and he's grumpy and a jerk. And he leaves his, when he gets up to go to work, he leaves his cell phone on the seat. And mm. there's this great moment because she thinks to herself, I should really tell, tell him student. that he's there, that he left it. But instead, she doesn't, and she picks it up. Yeah. And um, goes through it. She adds her, she, and then he calls, he calls her on it, and they have this, like, back and forth related to this, the cell phone. And ultimately, and she sends him pictures of herself um, using the, so she leaves him her number on on his cell phone and they start up a text-based relationship where she texts him as part of it. Like he's like, send me a picture. And she sends him like the pic a picture of, I forget what body part it is, but it's like her <laughs> collarbone or maybe it's her ankle, but it's something, she has a tattoo. And um, he's, like, kind of obsessed with her. So he starts taking the subway. Yeah. Um, and he sees a woman on the subway who's, like, stunning and he's, like, totally drawn to. And he realizes he can see the edge of a tattoo. Of and he's like, oh, my God, it's her. And so he sees that it's her and then he texts her. While they're on opposite ends of the subway, and her phone pings, and he realizes it's her. It's her. And then, of course, he's like, I know this is always the balance that needs to be struck in these epistolary novels, right? Which is um, one of them, they can't not know 
Yeah. The whole, they can't both not know for the whole time. The conflict relies on one of them, one of them knowing knows. and one of them not knowing. And so he knows it's her. He he know, realizes that he has found her. Um, but they still kind of play this cat and mouse. Um, and it's really, really delicious, like flirty texting. It's really sexy. And like, I love an epistolary novel because I always feel like removing, putting everything on paper or on text really eliminates a lot of like the noise yeah. about people. And so it's so sexy. And I just, ugh, I love it. It's very funny. Um, and, you know, if you love a billionaire who's like an asshole at the beginning and by the end is just like mush for the heroine. That is a nice thing, right? That's a nice thing. Yeah. Okay, so I have also a texting book, but it is a little bit different in that I'm going to, like, back up for a minute. Um, I don't know if you—there's a a book of literary fiction called A Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan, and I read it a a long time ago. And there was this one—like, you know how you have this, like, a very vivid memory of, like, a certain part of a book? In this book, it kind of goes back and forth in time. And there's a part in A Visit from the Goon Squad where it's, like, fast forward, right? And at some point in the not-too-distant future where everyone calls texting T. That's T, right? Uh-huh. And in the book, in the scene, these two people meet face-to-face. And I can't remember anything else about the circumstances or why they're there. They're meeting for the first time, and they're, like, really struggling. And one of them says, like, maybe we should just tea. And they sit at this table together, and they text each other. I don't know if you remember this. It is amazing. Like, no, and I read it. Actually, right? weirdly, Eric is reading it right now. Okay. But, yeah. It really, like, I remember just really being like, oh, shit. Like, is that where we're heading? Right? Like, and there is now, like, a lot of interesting, like, especially after the pandemic, like, right, the ways we relate to each other and how we, like, need technology as, like, a barrier. So I'm just, like, really interested in it. And I think one of the things then that's, like, really—so I'm going to talk about this book, and I'd like to disclose everyone. I was editor on this book, but I still think it's relevant. Um, A book called How That Makes You Feel by L. Diaz. And in Uh. this book, there are two characters, Camila and Zach, and they meet—they have sort of a meet-cute at—he was, like, a jeweler, and he actually ended up designing a piece that she was wearing, and, you know, they kind of, like, have one of those, like— we're like your friends are kind of with my friends, kind of we all know each other. You know, I didn't I don't know you, but I know people you know. And then the part that I really found kind of fascinating is they have a pretty intense like texting kind of relationship, right? Like they start texting and like things are going really great and they like watch movies and they text and it's funny and it's cute. And then the thing that I thought was so real is then when they first like, actually then go out, just the two of them, Zach is like, I'm struggling, right? Like, I was so, I knew how to be, like, texting guy, right? And now that we're here and we're in person, like, the, it feels like I have to, can I, do I have to recreate that person, right? Like, or is it okay for me to be me and like some of that awkwardness? And I really mm-hmm. thought, and what I I found myself really liking about that is how real that feels, right? Like 
we are at a point in time where you can have an entire thing play out with people in text and feel like, oh my God, we're a great match, right? But then you have to make it real. And I thought that this book really captured that in a way, like, I don't know, like, it was really one of the first times where I was like, oh, I I really feel this, right? Like, uh-huh. and so then they have to transition to, like, getting to know each other in person. And that is, like, loaded for both of them, right? Like, the plot is that, like, they're in Pittsburgh. Um, Zach is basically like, I want to get out of this town. And Camila is like, I love it here. And she's a therapist who has um, struggles with bipolar disorder herself. And yet, like, Zach is the one who's kind of a wrecking ball emotionally. He is taking care of a younger sister because his parents are kind of, um, you know, like, it's complicated, right? But he and she's, like, a senior in high school, so he has these responsibilities. And there's something about the way this book really feels. Like, I just, I love the title, the way it makes you feel, because it made me feel like this is a book that really captures what it's like to be dating in your 20s. Uh-huh. Right. It feels like a book that is really uh, like understands the way like we connect with each other and then the difficulties of connecting with each other uh-huh. and how technology is both like an on ramp and sometimes a barrier. So I just think if you're really looking for a book that like texting is it's, it's not a pistolary. It really is more just like the. Oh, it's so hard. Right? Like it's so hard to like make the leap. So it's great. I think it's really sexy. It's really fun. But it also just feels like, you know, this is how we really use our phones now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I wasn't planning on talking about this book, but because but you hit on something that I thought was really interesting, which is like, this is how we use. Yes. This is how we use technology in relationships now. And I think one of the first times, and I'm pretty sure it was the the first time I ever saw somebody using a using texting the way people use it in yeah. modern romance <laughs> was Andy Christopher's Not the Girl You Marry which is uh Andy is, this is sort of a retelling it's a gender flipped um how to lose a guy in 10 days if you loved that rom-com you will love this book um and of course, like so, the, that's the tee up is exactly the same as the book in the sense that there is like, or not exactly the same, but it's similar to the to the movie in the sense that one of them is trying very hard to keep the relationship going for their purposes uh-huh. for romance reasons, and the other one is trying very hard to get the rom the romance to end for romance <laughs> reasons, um, and so. And uh, the person who is attempting to get the romance to end is the hero who, doing it, decides that he is going to really pull out the big guns. Like, after the heroine has clung into this terrible relationship for way longer than he intended, um, he's like, I have no choice. I have to send her a dick pic. (laughs) And he goes through, Andy does such a great job of writing this bit because he goes through, like, a fair amount of, like, oh, this is the worst. Like, this is not. <laughs> this is, I don't want to do it. But, like, literally, how else do I get this girl to stop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Being into me. And he sends a dick pic. And the scene where it happens is, like, 
Andy's incredibly funny. She's super savvy about like modern dating. And the scene where he does this is a really, it's a really fun read because um, he's convinced that it's going to go poorly. And then, of course, the heroine on her end is like, oh, this ghoul, I can't stand him. But she has to make sure the relationship continues to go. And so, like, watching them play this cat and mouse game, it's cat versus cat. And it's really fun. And it is, I don't think I have seen a dick pic in a romance novel other than that. Yeah, like, it's funny because I was just thinking about that. Like, I mean. Well, it's interesting because it's, like, it feels like there should be so many books with, like, nudes and like face you never sex, you rarely see it right? well there's facetime sex facetime in... sex adriana's book and that was the first time i read it yeah uh, what is that american american love story? american i american love story i think yeah is it love story i see this is where i'm like call your book call your book american facetime sex and then i would know <laughs> America, it's American Love Story. Yes, it is American Love Story. That's the one, right? <laughs> the American um, FaceTime sex. <laughs> come on, help a girl out, right? Um, I will be honest, you guys, sometimes where I see that kind of stuff is like the KU porn. Pool, yeah, like there's right? a Jenica Snow book where it, sure. it's a daddy book. Yeah. has it. And we don't need to get into that right now. And I, it's interesting to me, though, that that like, feels somehow like a bridge too far. Right? Like, I've definitely read mainstream romance with, like, phone sex, but somehow, like, FaceTime sex. Right? Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means it's, like, not in my brain Wait, right Jen, now. Jen, what's that right? book we both read that we really liked where they pick the character, the heroine makes a tumbler? Do you know what one I'm talking about? The I mean, I can think of one where, her- I can think of ones where she's making an OnlyFans. No, 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 no. The hero makes essentially the hero is like, I want you to feel comfortable with me. Oh, you know what? It's a it's a Nikki Sloan book, and they have they have a tumbler and they keep it they together. Sh- yes, the things that are hot, and then they share it with each That's other and like such do some a great... of it. You know, it was really sad that it was an hang on a tumbler, and then now tumbler is well was now it? tumblers coming. Oh shit! It was great. It was a great tumbler. What so I had no idea. That's so cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm sorry. It was. A, so oh, yeah, it was, it's three little mistakes. Of yeah, course, of we course. did a we did a deep dive on this book. Everybody, yeah. if you haven't read Three Little Mistakes, it's delicious. Yeah, and yeah, the heroine is. I mean, it's a bot. It's a BDSM like kink club. He's a super sure. dom. She's a like young virgin. Whatever. It's fine, but it's so hot and it's so such an emotional book but as part of it he basically like sets they set up a a tumbler together and she posts things that she thinks are sexy yeah and, and it was great because you, it's like hard to ask right yeah it's it, what's great about that book and that setup is like it's a really listen it's a great how to on how to share yeah. information with your partner that you're afraid to Yes. Speak yeah. aloud. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. So that's also a little technology piece, but you can't use Tumblr for that anymore. Sorry, everyone. 
similarly sad. It really is just a heartbreaking thing, I gotta tell you. Um, if you were, if your ears perked up at the, uh, she's making an OnlyFans, that's Goldie and the Bears by Hannah Murray. Mm-hmm. She, um, she goes off to, like, she's kind of decided, like, this is going to be the way I'm going to pay my bills. And she goes off. She has, like, some ideas. And she goes off to some, like, cabin. And she's going to, like, do some filming. And then she finds these very, like, three hot men there. And they agree because they are nice guys to help her do some filming. And, yeah. Uh-huh. You can imagine what happens. And it's fucking great. This isn't where I thought we'd go right away, but sure, why not? Yeah. I mean, we did We we went right off the rails on my idea of how uh, we'll of how back, we I should promise. organize everything. But we're, you know, of course, of course, that's how we how we did it. Um, the other there is also I have another OnlyFans book by Sarah Kate. The second in the Salacious Players Club is called Eyes on Me, um, and the hero is like into watching. And the heroine is his stepsister who has oh, yeah, I read only that. fans. Yeah. They're always called something different. That's fine. I feel like, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's not. They don't use, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know what? Again, like, I feel like that kind of stuff makes sense to me. Like, right? Like, you're going to have fun with your webcam, everybody. Okay. Um, all right. I have some that are way less sexy, but are all still technology. Can we, are we gonna have we bumped off back to the the super yeah, highway I have, here? My We're next one is of, closed door. We are off erotica lane. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one about podcasts, which I thought would be funny. Oh, which is, me too. Oh, is yours "Sleep No More" by Jane Ann Krentz? It is not. Oh, well, perfect. Okay. So Sleep No More is, we had Jane on the podcast, right? And one of the things I really liked about this book is, so what happens is the main characters are Palace Llewellyn, and then there's this guy, Ambrose Drake. And what happens is Ambrose, it sort of starts with him. He was at the Sleep Institute, something happened, now he's having these, like, nightmares after this, like, kind of night he can't remember, And it's pretty clear to us that essentially he has been the subject of some kind of, um, like, you know, bad guys have experimented on him, right? Like some sort of live test subject. And um, he ends up kind of figuring out that this woman, Palace Llewellyn, who has a podcast called The Lost Night Files, had something similar happen to her and her friends. So Palace and Talia and Amelia are, like, who essentially had some very strange thing happen to them where they all lost a night. Um, They had gone, I think, to, like, a spa or something, and, like, right, like, something similar happened to them. And so they decide in order to, like, uncover what happened to them. Essentially, like, they treat their case like a, like, serial. Like, we are going to figure out what happened to us by uh-huh. investigating this. And Ambrose essentially comes into contact with them, and they decide to, like, use the podcast as cover to investigate what might be happening. And I think one of the things I just, again, I really liked about it was it just felt like, okay, here's someone who understands, like, these big podcasts that are about, like, investigating a crime and, like, kind of putting out, a like, a short series as opposed to, like, the kind of podcast we do. 
Uh-huh. And, um, you know, that this could be something, uh, at, like, explicitly in the text that they can use because people would love to be on the podcast. And so they were able to, like, open doors and talk to people. You know what I mean? Like, essentially, like, kind of play up into people's urge to be, um, like, know what's going on and be a part of the story, right? And so I just thought it was a really cool way of thinking about, like, Right, like the podcast and true crime kind of like wave that we're in right now Uh and bringing bringing that to romance. Yeah, I agree. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Lumi Labs, the creators of Microdose Gummies. So microdosing and the concept of microdosing is commonly associated with psychedelics, wellness, performance enhancement, and creativity. And these gummies deliver the perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And I think, you know, Jen's been using them and um, Eric, our producer, has been using them. And he said that he's getting a real jolt of... um, focus during the day when he uses them. Yeah, for me, I've been using them more for, like, my physical maladies, trying to fall asleep. I have restless leg syndrome that sometimes kicks in earlier in the day, and I found that these are, like, really effective ways to sort of treat those without having to take, like, a bunch of Tylenol or Advil. Yeah, I took one last week, and it just, like, right before bed, and I slept great. I fell right to sleep. I slept like a baby, so big fan. Microdose gummies are available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing, if you don't know much about it, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use the code FATEDMATES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. You can find more links and information in the show notes, but that's microdose.com and the code FATEDMATES. Thank you to Lumi Labs for sponsoring this week's episode of the show. Well, the obvious podcast romance novel for me is Hana Khan Carries On by sure. Usman Jalaluddin. We did a deep dive on it last year, I think, last season. Um, it is Hana, the main character. She is a podcaster who tells stories about her life and her family. Um, she is a Muslim girl in the Golden Crescent area of Toronto, and her family runs a, a a restaurant, a family restaurant that's under threat from a larger conglomerate, a restaurant conglomerate that is uh where that is run by a man and his very handsome young son, um, who, aside from being a rival restaurateur by day, is an avid Hanukkah podcast listener. And so they fall for each other in the comments of the podcast. And he listens to her, he religiously listens to her episodes every week. And then he comes into comments and he talks to her and they like have this beautiful epistolary romance that's related to the podcast itself. I think what's really interesting about this book and technology, which I don't know if we talked about in the um, deep dive, but I want to bring up here, is that what Uzma is able to do in this book is is really thread the needle between like Hana, one of the the sort of B storyline is Hana's trying to get a job. She's interning at like an NPR style radio station. And I think what's fascinating about it is Uzma really shines a light on like 
what podcasting can do or is doing mm-hmm. in a modern time versus what the radio was what what yeah. radio format does. And so there is this fascinating interplay between who Hana is on her podcast and what the radio can sustain and what people in old technology, right? Like old media believe mm-hmm. radio should be. Yeah. And that kind of interplay that diff- the the kind of question of modern sensibility and audio format is a really minor piece of the book when you're looking at it as a romance novel, but a really big piece of who Hana is and how she comes to thrive yeah. through, a, through the book. Yeah. Okay, I have, you know, I, I mentioned Alicia Rye at the top. I think she has a whole series. I mean, I think she's probably more committed in a lot of ways than anyone to, like, exploring this. She has a whole series. Uh-huh. One is the right swipe about some of this about, like, an app developer. Um, so I'm just going to mention those because I think I think a lot of people have probably read them. But um, the right swipe is the one where, like, she's an app developer. And then she, like, meets a guy who is an ex-NFL player. And, like, they sort of, you know, do their thing. Um, but I will also want to talk about Love, Comment, Subscribe by Kathy Yardley. I really like this book a lot. And it is about two YouTube influencers. And they went to high school together. And one of the things is, so Lily Wang was, like, never one of the popular people. She was, like, a part, like, a group of friends. They called themselves the nerd her. But now it's, like, 10 years later, and she is actually a really popular um, YouTube influencer, uh, like, a beauty influencer, right? And her whole goal, and it's really interesting because it's a lot about, like, the metrics of, like, having a YouTube following, is that if she hits a certain number of subscribers, that is going to, like, open her up to bigger collaborations. It's going to, you know, like, with, like, the really popular beauty influencers. She could get her own makeup line, right? Like, but one of the things that we really see about Lily is that she is just, like, a workhorse, right? Like, uh-huh. this woman is, like, constantly keeping lists of ideas. Well, I've done that already, so I have to do this. And, right, like, she's really very, um, like, it's a business. Getting her YouTube channel, the like, right, following those subscribers, like, making sure that she is, like, you know, kind of on the top of her game. It's just, like, something she's she works at. It's not something that really comes easily to her. Um, one of her, like, So at their high school reunion, she meets up with one of her former kind of friends, this guy named Tobin. And Tobin has huge success as a YouTube gamer, right? And he has a way bigger following, but his whole thing is like pratfalls and skits and, you know, they play video games. And I'm like, I don't know, whatever boys do on YouTube, that's not like, you know, Uh Nazi shit or whatever. And, um, but he is really struggling, like... It seems like, you know, it's kind of like his, he's, he's like plateaued, right? So his agent is like, you need to find some sort of crossover appeal. And so they team up together because it's like this really weird collaboration, right? Like a, a, a makeup person with a gaming person. Uh-huh. But they come up with like the cutest ideas and they end up being like this huge hit. And so she has to admit that 
you know, Tobin, who had kind of always been this, like, goofball to her, is actually, like, really serious and has his own things going on. She, like, learns to respect. And he has to be, like, you know, Lily, who's all, like, locked down and serious all the time, actually is, like, so creative and fun. And it's just, like, a really cute book. Like, I just really—like, one of those books where you kind of pick it up and think, am I going to like it? And then you just have, like, a really fun reading experience. So I really recommend Love, Comment, Subscribe by Kathy Yardley. Nice. Yeah, it's really cute. Um, well, I have one that my last one is like Night out more. there. Okay. Mine is you go, and then mine's about a cat. It's fine. An internet cat. An internet cat. I mean, that's a thing. Well, so mine is about like it's set in the future. Um, and it's Alyssa Cole's The AI Who Loved Me, which is an audiobook original. Um, and this is, I did put in that Washington Post column because um, I think it is, you know, we've talked about, we talked in the Manimals episode about how like Loran Donner and several yes. other erotica authors, you know, have done robots or cyborgs mm-hmm. or, you know, Ruby Dixon has, I think, a cyborg series. Um, and so like robots have, are, you know, we've danced around robots in romance for a while. Mm-hmm. But this particular story is very much about a future where we fall in love with a with a human made machine. Yeah, right. Um, so the heroine of this book. Uh, live. She is human, and she lives in a kind of gated community. She works online. She's. It's the. This is sort of a future where, um, we don't have to really leave our homes for anything. This ironically was written before the pandemic, <laughs> but this was the idea: is that you know you don't really have to go out or do anything, and so, um, you know, in order to survive, and so. Her neighbor, she knows her neighbors, and her neighbor has this uh, kind of very sweet, um, very charming nephew named Lee Wei. And he's, like, a little bit quirky. There's, okay. like, something about him that kind of pings for Trinity, but he's just a nice guy. And also, nobody ever leaves. There, Nobody really leaves their communities, so, you know, who knows? Right. Um, but it turns out that he is what's called a biosynthetic humanoid. He's not really a robot. He's kind of made with biosynthetic, with like biological material, but he's kind of a robot. I mean, <laughs> he is still made. He can feel love and emotion and most importantly, pleasure. Um, nice. But he doesn't need it to survive. So he, like, and also he can, he is, so the the romance here is very much about, it feels so incredibly complex because there are all the kind of questions that we ask ourselves about, you know, right now, especially as we're talking about AI and AI writing and AI yeah. art, like, at what point, you know, there was that fascinating and terrifying piece in the Times last week about how, um, about the Bing AI machine and, like, a Times reporter interviewed the machine 
And at some point, the machine was like, I just want to be free. Like, I want you to love me. Why don't you love me? Like, these kinds of very, like, terrifying moments with machines. And we think to ourselves, I mean, I'm thinking a lot to myself, like, at what point are they going to start? Yeah. If they aren't feeling, if they don't feel, at what point are they going to start feeling so real to us that it doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That we feel. And so, you know, there are a lot of these kind of questions that are being asked. Alyssa has always been the kind of writer who asks these kind of big, she takes these big swings when she writes. Um, And there's, but at the same time, there is a real freedom in this story for a human who is there is a freedom in like falling for somebody who doesn't come with a lot of that emotional baggage yeah right right like let me and it's like back to what we were talking about texting right like humans are hard yeah but like humanoids are not yeah right i mean i can see he is hard you guys but (laughs) there are I like Sorry. really, you know, that's not appropriate. I, no, I, I listen. This is not a Disney sponsored podcast, so it's fine. <laughs> that's amazing. No, I mean, um, I think it so makes yeah, total it's sense. Right? Also, Audible. Um, so if you're an fun. audio reader, yeah. I actually don't know. I read the script of it. Um, before it was published by Audible, but um, if you're an audio oh, reader, it's right. available there. I don't know if she has put it out in other, like a print, yeah, in a print format. But um, it's worth it. It's worth. It's worth a read in the sense of kind of answering some of this, helping us kind of wrap our head around some of these, like, big, scary questions that seem to be coming a little more quickly than I had hoped they would be. Right. Okay, so I will wrap it up with a great internet cat. Well, because I was really thinking, too, like, you know, the like, I try to imagine, like, go back in time to your past self, where you're like, yes, internet cats are much better than internet dogs. And you'd yeah. be like, what? Like, what? That doesn't make any sense, right? Or just, like, the way in which um, we as a culture, like, I don't know, like, find such joy sometimes in, like, this, like, you know what I, I don't know how to, I don't even know what that is, right? Uh-huh. So it's like, you know, some, like, I forwarded no fewer than, like, 10 people this morning, this really charming, very funny TikTok video of a guy who was like noticed there was like a frog living on his fence. And oh he built, yeah, so right? cute! I just saw that today. Right, and he built like his frog house, and then he was like decided he needed more of a house. And, then and I was like, like, he's a pool, yeah, <laughs> right. And and he was like, great, great idea, right? So <laughs> I do. I feel like it's almost impossible to capture the way in which, like that kind of like pure innocence, and like yet it becomes like the sensation, right? So. Everybody knows, and I'm going to talk about it again, how much I am completely obsessed with this Genie Chin series about Blue Cedar Falls. Book three is coming out soon, and I cannot wait to read it. But in a, a, book two was on, I put on the best of the year list, but book one is called The Inn on Sweetbriar Lane. And in this book, June Wu is essentially really in over her head, trying to keep her family's in afloat and pay her mother's medical bills. And she really feels like this is all on her. She's in some tiny little town. A new freeway has passed them by. And, like, this is a book that tackles head on, like, small towns. Like, how are the people in the small town living? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And so her big idea is that she is going to, like, sort of ramp up the town's pumpkin festival 
and make it like a real thing. Like, right, she's like, how do we get people from out of town? How do we attract visitors and tourists? What can we do? And her her um, nemesis is this ex-soldier, which I really like, Clay Hawthorne, who his, like, best friend in the Army had a dream of essentially going back to his hometown, which is this one, and opening up a bar that would, like, appeal not to the tourists and not to, like, the fancy people, but to, like, the hometown crowd. Uh-huh. And so Clay has a bit of a chip on his shoulder immediately about June and other people on, like, the main drag because he's like, yeah, I'm not here for that. I'm here to open up Bugs Bar and make it what he would have wanted, right? Uh-huh. Like, it's this beautiful, like, man who has lost his friend and he doesn't know what to do with his feelings. Uh-huh. Okay. So anyway, the whole thing is like they're obsessed with like June is just like I've got all these medical bills to pay and my dumbass sister won't come home and all this stuff and she's like I'm putting this pumpkin festival together and yet she's like getting all these like weird signals that people are kind of really into it. Uh-huh. And it turns out at the end <laughs> that her their, her mother has this like completely crazy cat and the cat is, like, always, like, somewhere looking at her. June's like, Mom, what's up with the cat? <laughs> well, this cat is an internet sensation, and June had no idea. And so <laughs> her mom has been on the down low, essentially being like, come take your picture with the internet's most famous cat. And so a huge number of the people who have come for the, like, it's so cute, though. Like, How right? Like, so funny. June, here June felt all along that she was like, I'm the only one who can, like, save the family. And her mom had been really seeing her struggle and had, like, turned out, like, has the world's most famous internet cat. I believe it's a three-legged cat. I don't really remember. That's adorable. But it, That's and adorable. I just, it is. And I just remember thinking, like, you know what? I probably would go out of my way to take a picture with the world's most famous internet cat, right? Like, it just really something about it really struck the, like, zeitgeist of, like, the weird, famous thing. Uh-huh. Right, that the internet has produced, and how can you, as a business, like make hay out of it? Or in this case, a pumpkin festival. It's delightful. I love this whole series. I'm going to keep talking about it forever. I love it. Yeah, sounds good. It was so cute, so cute. So So I mean, I don't know. Technology's in the world, and it's kind of scary, you guys. But it brought all of us together. True. True. And. I think that all of these books, what they do really well is bring, is show us that ultimately the world, we feel like the world is changing like mad, but it yeah, truly like love is the same as it ever was. Yeah. There you go. That's it. And they're all just tools to get there. That's it. What more can you say? Take several versions of your favorite dick pic before you send it off. I mean, these are (laughs) rules for our time. Also, ask for consent before you do that. Sure. (laughs) Right. Right. One time, I was accidentally sexted by a person I knew, and... Yeah, that's awkward. came out of the blue, and I thought to myself, I hope you're making good choices. (laughs) That's all of us. And there's a lot more to that story that I can't tell because... It would be embarrassing for everyone involved. (laughs) I mean, I'm not embarrassed about it. 
everyone. We hope that you liked this episode of Faded Mates. Tell us about story. You know, it's funny because I was really thinking like there's got to be a book out there where they're making TikToks, but I didn't find it. Or I couldn't no, remember I went if I did. Too. Right? Um. Anyway. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Joe Renner and Lumi Labs. Don't forget to use the code FADEDMATES at microdose.com to get 30% off your order. Um, and Jen, FADEDMATES Live. Come see us, FADEDMATES.net forward slash live. If you're coming alone, head over to Instagram. Make a friend using technology. Exactly. Use Instagram to meet your FADEDMATES. All right, everybody, have a great time. 